Hey, Rich. Hey, Paul. Are you ready to launch our new software product? Boy, am I. I know. And we have a date for it all picked out, and we, we, have, a, we have scope. We're about to have a big, long scoping meeting. Visitaboard.com. Sign up for the beta. So related to that, I saw a tweet that uh, made me think of you. Aww. Yes, and it's by a uh, an engineering lead who goes on Twitter as Artificial Nix, N-I-X. And uh, she wrote the following, and I thought of you immediately. Cool. After being a manager in tech for like four years now, I don't understand what everyone is saying about how, how hard it is to estimate timing for product. Okay. That's tweet one. Tweet two is, my team always ships on time. Our KRs are always green. People act like we're superheroes, but we just have our shit together. Nice. So we should talk about this. Thank you, Nick, Sophie, for um, giving us a, a good topic for this podcast. Let's talk estimation, my friend. Okay. Do you have any good tips or tricks? I sure do, yeah. but it's not what you think. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's do it. There is something really brutal about not being held accountable to someone outside. If I tell you, you can pick up your Super Mario birthday cake on Saturday for your kid's birthday party Saturday afternoon, as a bakery owner, I should probably have the cake done. You ruin the birthday. You ruin the birthday. That's right. Don't ruin the birthday. If, we, should, we should point out, there's a context here, and there's a context for that tweet. Software products are notoriously late. Teams deliver late. Consultants deliver late. Nothing ever lands. It's legendary. And so one of the reasons people would come to us is they would finally get their thing. It would be expensive, and it might be less of a thing than they were hoping for, mm -hmm. but they'd get it. Yes. I'm a pilot, and... For a 7 a.m. JFK, New York to Charles de Gaulle, Paris flight, I have to check in to my airline and be at the airport at 5 a.m. Yes. There's paperwork. There's whatever I have to do. Big, big checklist. Big checklist. And, you know, the check the checklist for the plane and all that. Mm -hmm. So I got to be, I gotta, I'm on the plane at 6. We're going to get out of there at 7. I got to be at the airport at five. Those are very clear external commitments that can things happen? Can I have kidney stones and be doubled over in pain? Can the oven break? No, but I need to be up by 345 and shaving. Yeah. Look, things can happen. The oven can break. Sure. In, in, uh, at the bakery. And maybe that kid will have to take a fudgy the whale. There can be a thunderstorm at the at the airport, or the the yes. the flight attendants can all get COVID. Like there's all sorts of things happen. What's really really hard about uh, software, but also other industries. We always talk about software, but there are other industries that have this. <laughs> there, same are, there are no other industries. I have one more mm, go for uh, industry that has this challenge. Mm -hmm. um, the book is due. Oh boy. I'm sorry, Paul. Why'd you do this to me, man? <laughs> Why'd you have uh, to the go article, there? The article's do. And That's again, almost as bad, but okay, okay. Well, the article has an advantage over the book, which is... It's shorter. We're going to print. 
We're going. Yeah. The problem with the book is the print. The weight. And the book actually, when you turn in the book, it's nine months before the book actually goes goes on the shelves. The article, it might be going up on the web later that day. And I think editors have come to understand that you can't pick up the phone and scream at the writer. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Oh no, editors live so editors, it's it's a pure structure of I, I live this, right? So it's a pure structure of passive aggressiveness and, yeah. and manipulation. So yeah. that, first of all, they lie to you about the due date. Yeah. And then as you get older and more serious in your career, you, you realize when you're being lied to and you're like, oh, well, then it'll be the Thursday after. That's fine. I have more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You start to figure out the game. Then they invoke the managing editor and the other editors. Yeah. And so that's It's never them. They yeah. never. They understand that you're an artist. Yeah. But the managing editor just can't. They got to get it in their yeah. hands. I think there's a. I think why it's a challenge. Read the first part of that tweet again, because it's a two-part tweet. It's an observation and then a declaration. Read the observation. Okay. Again. After being a manager in tech for like four years now, I don't understand what everyone is saying about how hard it is to estimate timing for products. Period. Stop there. Mm -hmm. Okay. What they are really saying is that uh, the leadership who expect the product to be done at a certain time refuses to hold everyone accountable to a commitment and tries to sympathize and empathize with the team and the complexities around it. And so what you end up with is a really snugly dynamic, but no one knows where success is anymore. And by success, I don't mean business success. Oh, like a dynamic where people are all snuggling together. People assert themselves. Sure. Engineers say, no, you don't understand. I once sold a piece of business um, and I didn't architect it out. I didn't go looking at libraries and seeing what it, but in my cursory understanding of technology, I sold the piece of business. That's what a salesperson does. My head of engineering said, I need to talk to you. <laughs> as soon as possible, <laughs> right? Uh, and he's like, what you, what you sold isn't possible. I was like, really? And then I, I, I sat in a very ignorant place. I was like, and it wasn't a time constraint. What he was doing, and, and we worked it out. And I was like, why don't you just do it this way? He's like, is it okay to do it that way? I'm like, when did it become not okay to do it that way? Of course you could do it that way. They don't know anything. They don't know technology. Go do it that way. And we did it, and we delivered it, and we del it was one of the most profitable projects we ever worked on. Mm-hmm. And so what was going on there? What was going on there was uh, the head of engineering asserting control and wanting to be in the room when we arbit arbitrate what success is. You know what I always think of this as, by the way? The auteur theory of software development. <laughs> there's your title. Title of the podcast. Yeah, it, it, it's just like this sort of... Explain uh, that. So there's a, a famous... There are theories of what makes a movie and what, what art it is and where it comes sure. from. Sure. And so film in particular is really interesting because there's the concept of the director and is the director the artist of the movie or is the movie a combination of all the efforts involved mm -hmm. manifesting together, prob mm -hmm. led by the director? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the director in software would be the product manager and the, mm -hmm. in the magazine world would be the, mm -hmm. the editor-in-chief, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. So the auteur theory is that like the director is the artist and everyone else falls you know, in their wake. 
They yep. are, and um, there are other theories and other concepts that say that no, it, it's actually much more the sum total, and that person just kind of receives all the glory. Yeah. So when you talk about the auteur, and you know, French cinema in the '60s was very like there are con- there are spaces where like the director exercised total control, made these little films. People like Godard or, or, or Cassavetes, yeah, you know, not French, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> Where they, it was really their vision. Yeah. And then it's like Steven Spielberg on War of the Worlds has a team of 1,500 people. And you watch the credits roll, like, is there an auteur behind Mar- you know, Avengers Endgame? Yeah. Uh, and so there, the auteur theory of software development is the engineer going, oh, no, yeah. this is not possible. Yeah. Probably yeah. in a French accent, smoking a uh, what was the gawa, the the cigarettes? How do you pronounce that? Do you know? Uh, no, I don't know what that is. Oh, there's like, like a, a French, really long it's like French a French cigarette. cigarette that's really famous. It's really long. Yeah, I think it's G A L O I. I can't. Let's just say Virginia Slims. Whenever get I get, whenever I get, uh, whenever I pronounce anything French, I get yelled at. So there yeah. we go. Yeah. Yell at me. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yes, here you are. The engineer has said it's not possible. You've said it's possible. Here's what's counterintuitive today. What's counterintuitive today? And today, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of um, sort of pausing before you assert yourself in the workplace and in a work in a team environment. There's a lot of like, don't assert your power, don't be, um, don't disenfranchise your teammates. Like, there's all that. Even if you're the boss, right? There's like, how do you get people aligned? How do you, you inspire people? Let me he- let me say something that's going to sound counter to a lot of what well, we're well, saying. Well, hold on. The dominant and and sort of positive assessment of management is that you should be a servant leader and that you should come in and you should empower your team. I never heard that phrase before. I want you to never say it again. Servant leader. Yeah. Here's it turns out it turns out that you will actually have a happier team if you say to them when I tell you I want something on a certain date, we can have some dialogue about it. I need you to take it seriously. And it's like, okay, wait, that sounds like a jerk. You could, you could see it through that lens. I, you should always be respectful and always have a dialogue about what's at stake. But here's the thing. When you do that, there may be a little bit of friction, a little bit of pushback there, but believe me, down the road, they really want it. They actually really want it because there is nothing more painful than spinning and spinning and spinning and trying to do something perfect um, and not being able to ship. People who are great at what they do want leadership, A, to keep the bullshit out. That's meaning. That's part of being a leader. And B, clear goals. And that's out of fashion today because that sounds like power or money or something. Power is out of fashion. Power is out of fashion. But clear goals should not be out of fashion. Respect your team. Communicate. Have a dialogue. Here's here's the irony of all this. This is one of the trickiest things. You learn this from pretty senior execs is that by being demanding and making hard calls, you are actually advocating and protecting the careers of the people who work for you more than if you empower them to have control when they're not ready. That's right. Yeah. I, I have a terrible tell. What's your terrible tell? When, when people, when I'm like, so what do you think? 
And you say that because you actually want to hear what people's perspective is. And uh, people want to be heard. People want their two cents. And they're telling you about things that can go wrong. And you're hearing them out. And then you should hear them out. But there is a point where that dialogue, you lose your bearings and it overwhelms everything. And you've lost which direction you should even go or where the ending is. And you've lost control of it. And I have, one of the things I've, one of the skills I've built over the years is that when someone seems to be taking me away from that goal and is taking me on their own adventure, on some other adventure, mm-hmm. I literally tune them out. I will nod. My I've learned to like use my neck muscles to nod, but Karen Carpenter is singing in my head. Why do Not, birds? This is sounding is it that song? flippant and obnoxious, but it, and it isn't me like giving them the middle finger. What it is is me like, man, these are smart people who are making sense and they're taking me off my bearings bad. Well, and I need to c- come out of it. Uh, you know, one of the things that happened is people are anchored to their disciplines. Their disciplines are their, their sense of power and control. And so they advocate for their disciplines. You're in that meeting and you're running the product and, and sort of people are like, well, I need this because of this and this is how this works. And this yeah. What happened that was weird in the last few years is all the disciplines kind of took their eye off of the product and got into themselves in a really specific way. Like it's, it's a product of just the demands of a job market, which is softening now, but it was... Right, so it's like... It's well, absolutely impossible to get great talent. I right? will only use Framework X to program. Oh, well, okay. I will only design this way. I had this project 10 years ago. Like closure was like hot. Oh yeah, closure is a language that's based on Lisp. For the people out there listening who even understand what that sentence means, I, they couldn't get login done after like four months. Like I couldn't log into anything, mm. and so then then and I I've I've learned just enough about tech to understand it, right? So I went into GitHub. Oh, that's not true. You actually you know the stack pretty well. I know actually, the stack. You, you can program. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. So I went into GitHub. I was like, let me see what's going on here, and I looked at all of it, and then I called you. I remember yeah. I was in front of this Brooklyn a, Borough Hall. This was an awkward one. And I said, Paul, I need you to do me a favor. I'm looking at this. I don't think there's anything in here. And, he's, and you're like, okay, I'll call you back in an hour. <laughs> you called me back and you're like, there's kind of nothing in here. I remember once I did a project and I was the only programmer. I was the only anything on it. And I was all, off on my own. And I made every decision. And every decision I made was wrong. I used the wrong database, the wrong data model, <laughs> the wrong programming language. Yeah. Every good time. Everything I did was yeah, wrong. Yeah. And I slept on the floor to get it done by myself. Yeah. And, and I paid the price for And then later, someone came in and replaced me. And about two years later, but I shipped working software. Okay. So but you what, went astray. I went astray. And, but... I, I would, and I would, I adopted everything cool before it was ready. Yeah. But I shipped the thing. And what had happened is they had gotten like, oh, you need this kind of logging database. And so, and they architected for a world that didn't yet exist. And then they forgot to build the product. They built everything around the product. See, and I thought I was going to be like estimation and be like, here's the five estimation points. You went very meta. Well, no, I, I, estimations, that's a, that's a, that's a straw man. See, that's the Estimation's thing. Estimation's a straw so man. This is the thing you're actually saying, which is that estimation is usually presented as a set of tips and tricks for how to like no, define scope. It's bullshit. I'll tell you why it's bullshit. There's 
give me a login, and then there's industrial strength SSO two-factor auth that sends you a set of 10 codes in case you forget your two-factor auth. Yeah. Estimation is useless without leadership keeping everyone focused through scope. If you can't help them say, look, I know you know the best way to do it in the world, but I need it Friday, mm -hmm. right? And that can sound... That's, that can sting a little. Well, and also, people, it, it's not just sting. People feel that they are betraying their discipline. Yes. And they feel that you, as a leader, are minimizing their, their skills and their, and their value. Ex expertise. Yes. Exactly. So, how do you get around that? You get around that three ways. Okay. Now we're finally tips and tricks. Tips and tricks. First, tell them why. You're not doing it because you want to flex. There's you are connected to the world, I hope. Unless you're a nonprofit that just makes nonsense software, that may be. But even then, tell them why. Sometimes you have an externality, like an event or a presentation that you've, you're scheduling against, but sometimes you don't. So first, be transparent about why you're, you're, you're making them take a shorter, filthier path, potentially. Let me, let me make, I'm gonna pause, so that's number that's one. That's number one. There's a thing I wanna say that, I, it's a hard thing to say, but I am increasingly convinced as I get older and I see people in their careers and I talk to people and I mentor people and so on, most people don't know what business they're in. Of course. They just don't. They, they know their discipline. They know that they have a kind of a job. Yeah. They know that they get a paycheck and yeah. they know that they did okay on the annual review. So you know who's like that? Tax attorneys. Tax attorneys get like their own wing that looks like a daycare center at the law firm. Oh, because they're so valuable. They're so valuable. But they're, they're also so weird, and they're so awkward yeah. a lot of the time. These are you're not, no one goes into tax tax law because they're like, oh, I'm just having too much sex. <laughs> <laughs> they're not the rainmakers, right? They're not social. Some are. I'm not going to stare, but most are like they're almost like quant like. Yeah, so they're sort of famous in the law firm. Like, who's that guy that never comes out of his office? Someone else is worrying about the P and L of the law firm. Mm -hmm. The tax expert that really enjoys the problem. They're not usually the same person who goes to the cocktail parties to, to be the rainmaker for the, for the firm. So, number one, be transparent about why you're telling them to take path B instead of path A. Which might actually mean explaining what business you're in. Uh, yes, yes. I, I know that sounds awful and reductive, but it's literally like, we have only this much budget and therefore we must prioritize yes. in order to achieve the goal so we can get more budget. Half your employees have never thought that way. That's right. That's right. We've had employees tell us, why are you making, getting more business? Yeah, why do you keep growing? <laughs> they think it's greed and they don't know it's survival. Well, they, right? they don't realize that all the other business could go away because once you hit that state, no one assumes that everything will just implode on any given day. Nothing is static, right? Well, like, it, yeah. especially with a small startup or an agency. Uh, number so two. That's two. Okay, one, one, that was one. Let's number get to one. two. Tell them why. Be transparent about why you're putting certain kinds of pressure over our economy. Why are you saying you need Friday? Why? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, are you mm -hmm. just throwing that out of thin air? Number two um, is probably the most important thing and is the hardest thing to pull off, which is if they trust you, you don't even have to tell them why. If they trust you and they trust your judgment and there is a... a respectful dynamic they will get it and you don't have to explain it every time yeah but that's only earned by shipping so you got to solve the fundamental problem first 
it's only earned by shipping. It could be earned by you being a great business development person. It could be a, it could be earned a lot of different ways. Yeah, but that's a kind of shipping. Like what it's, you're it's, saying, it's earned by delivering. What you're essentially saying is this. What you're essentially saying is you are amazing at what you do. And we have an amazing team at a board. Like it was really a world-class team. It's like what, probably the best team I've ever worked with. True. But what we're also saying is you are a practitioner and, a, and, and as good as it gets in your business, in your craft... I know you don't think I have a craft. I know you think I put on a shiny suit, but trust me, I'm going to go talk to the world about this. You're going to do what you're going to do. Now, I'm talking about our example, but there is, if people, there, it is, the, it is the, the, the heart, the pinnacle of being a leader is that you don't have to put pressure and stress on people to do it. They believe in you and they trust you to, do, to go in a certain direction. Well, Let me add one caveat, and this is universal. Everyone thinks that everyone else's discipline is essentially fraudulent. Oof, what a cynical way to it's not close untrue. out this podcast. Not, not our team. Our, team's, our team has worked together and so on. But in general, designers are like, oh, engineers. And engineers are like, oh, marketing. And everyone is like, oh, managers. And That's so, a great way to... I mean, and, it's a great observation. So it's when you're, real, right? When you're earning that trust, you have to have... I mean, look, I've learned all these lessons the hard way. Trust, building trust with engineers is not like, I understand how hard it is can, can be to write code because they'll look at you and they'll be like, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And that's yeah. all they want to talk about. Yeah. You actually have to have a little, it's not fear. It's just the sense of like, yeah, I know you can get it. I know you can do it. Yeah. You yeah. can ship this. I, yeah. I see it. I can see part of it, but you can see the whole thing, and yeah. I'm counting on you to take it the rest yes. of the way. Yes, it's a, it's a great point. I'm, I'm oversimplifying it. You're right. Everyone is convinced their own discipline is the most important one. It's the only thing it's that matters, because thing. without you, if you, sub- yeah. if you subtract any of the disciplines, the whole thing does fall apart. It does. We need everybody. Everybody. It it's a team. Right? It's just, it's humans are very, very funny. Okay, so that's point two. Yeah. Uh, Point three. Did you have a point three or did you just like the number three? No, no, I have a point okay, three. Okay, okay. I have a point three. Okay. Um, you can't do this all the time. You can't do it all the time. You have to exhale. You have to let them exhale. Sometimes you'll be like... Wait, you mean let the schedule slip? No. What you have to do is you, gotta, you, you want your thing by Friday. You get it by Friday. But the following week, when you see a practitioner who is just hankering to fold out new librarian... <laughs> You kind of yeah. got to let them do it. Yeah. You got to let them. Oh, yeah. No, little cognitive treats are very important. <laughs> they are. No, it's like, absolutely. Try to. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just letting them kind of. You got to give people a sense of autonomy. Yes. Uh, you, and you can't do that, you, keep the boot on the neck the whole time. NPM installed dog biscuit <laughs> is what you, <laughs> you just said. Look, related to that also, even when they come out of the other side, you ask them to do something, they're, it's not the proudest moment because it's the jankiest login yeah. they've ever put together. Exactly. You say, look, I really appreciate what you guys did here. It looks great. Yeah. Right? You got to make them feel good even about the stuff that Have you Have an forced. after eight mint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but this is real. Like if, if a designer says, I need, uh, can I think about it and come back to you with some ideas? You can't every... Sometimes you're going to say, look, yes, but tomorrow. Like sometimes you're going to put the pressure on and be like, look, I, I, you do whatever you want. I need it by Friday. Mm-hmm. Other, You got to have some other times 
where you let the engineer do the refactor. You let the designer think bigger thoughts. You got to let them exhale because especially if they're good, because if they're good, it, it's a huge part of who they are and they are not assembly line workers. You know right? what we're getting to at the end, at the end here? And I, let, me, let me take a breath and articulate this. People are loyal to their disciplines in their careers. And one of the, one of the jobs of shipping a product is actually getting people to come off of Discipline Island and come to Product Island and focus come on... Come to the, Pragmatism Island. Yes. But Pragmatism Island is actually a dangerous place for people to spend all their time. Yes. Because then they, they lose the, the sort of rootedness and the connection to the things that they care about yeah. and that matter to them. And actually, they don't charge their batteries up to bring good ideas back to Product you, Island. Yeah, you got to let them come out and come back in. And so there's an oscillation, and this is interesting. To I me. call it exhaling. I call it, it's like breathing. It, right. it really is. It's a sine wave. You're going, sometimes they, we all got to get on a Product Island. Yeah. And sometimes we go back to Discipline Island and do the things that we love and care about and we think are really fun. Yes. And then we got to bring those to the other place. Yes. It's import-export all the time. Yeah. I learned something on Product Island. I learned that the big idea I thought I had was a bad one. Nobody liked it. Nobody liked it. The users yeah. didn't care. So yeah. I'm going to take that back to Discipline Island exactly. and I'm going to internalize it along with all the other work I do. Uh, let's end it with a bonus tip. All right. If you're in a Fortune 1000 company and they have absolutely no sense, and all they see is like billions of dollars flowing through the windows, they're always on Discipline Island for years. Oh, Discipline Island is where they live. And in <laughs> fact, you know what they do? What, what you do in a Fortune 1000 is you go shopping for new disciplines. Yeah. You know, hey, how about content architecture? Yeah, it's right? bad. It's or, bad. Or information, um, I don't know. We talked about this, by the way. There was a yeah. previous podcast. You should listen to all of our podcasts. Oh, but there's the a previous one where like, why can't big companies ever do anything? Uh, and that's this, right? They are only on Discipline Island. They're on Discipline Island, Island and, when, and to yeah. get everyone on a product island is, is a thing of fear. So, uh, all right, Rich, well, if people want to get in touch, what do they do? They hit us up at hello at ziadiford.com. Uh, we're also on all the popular podcast networks and apps and whatnot. Um, give us five stars when you can. We're Ziadi Ford on Twitter, mm -hmm. at Ziadi, Z-I-A-D-E-F-O-R-D. I'm Lebanese. That's the Ziadi part. And Paul who spot? Yeah, I'm Ford. I'm Ford. It's the Irish Ford. part. Who sponsors? This podcast and probably a lot of the future ones are <laughs> sponsored by a board. A board is a killer new tool that's coming out in May of 2023, in case you're listening to this five years from now, mm -hmm. um, that uh, lets you organize your passions on the web. Beautiful apps coming and mobile apps and whatnot. So check it out at aboard.com. We love it. We love it. Now, um, okay, let's get back to work. Have a wonderful week.